This week on Inside Marketing, we'll be talking about how brands need to start acting and preparing for what's likely to be another recession. We'll talk about what we can learn from previous recessions and whether the rule books from last recessions apply to this one. So stay tuned as we talk about preparing for a recession only on this week's Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. Um, as I said, we're going to talk about how brands should behave in a recession and I'm delighted to be joined in person, in studio, by Rachel Ray, who's the Group Strategy Director at Dentsu. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? How is life? How are you uh, getting on these days? It's, what is it, five months now you've been with us? Yeah, yeah, so settling in. Um, settling in. It feels usual longer. chaoticness of, you know, onboarding and trying to learn everything about different clients and you never, the different teams. You, you, you but, never you know. fully know. You never fully know everything. Yeah. But yeah, no, it feels longer. And I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. Um, so thanks for joining me. It's great that we're actually in person because normally they're done on Teams. So um, it's good to be in the room talking to somebody again. It's a bit weird, but like, you know, you'll forget the mics there in a second. Um, and I'm gonna, we're going to crack on just in the interest of time. You wrote an article in Today's Irish Times and... It's a great article, by the way, so anyone who's listening, I should I suggest you you check it out because um, we're going to touch on a few bits and pieces, but it's a brilliant article. So, um, and, and it's talking pretty much about how brands need to start thinking about life in the world as we come into a recession. Now, I'm not an economist and you're not an economist, but mm. um, the first question I'm going to have is, like, are we actually technically in a recession at the moment or, you know, in terms of what an economist's definition of a recession is, are we in a recession or is it kind of... Is it around the corner? Because now there's a lot of uncertainty. So A, are we in a recession? And B, um, you know, I, there is that thing which you all, which people always say, no, technically we're not in a recession, but actually if it looks like a recession and kind of feels like one, no one can tell us we're not in one. So mm. are we, first of all, in a recession? Yay. Yes or no? <laughs> this is feeling a little bit like a Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial with a <laughs> yes or no, but I got to give a very politi- politician's uh, answer to that. And... The answer is no, not quite yes, but it does look like we are getting there. It depends on who you're defining as the we when you ask that question. So in terms of the states, in terms of the EU, um, there does seem to be on a daily basis a lot of different respectable bodies that know a lot more about economics than the likes of us coming out and saying, yeah, you know, there's a good chance. Yeah, it's a very good chance, you know, Mm. it's kind of building up over time. So the IMF, Citibank, World Bank um, just recently as well, saying that it's highly likely the the CEO of the World Bank, um, Malpass, was saying, you know, if, if you look at global GDP and GDP is kind of taken as this textbook, there's lots of different definitions of a recession, yeah. which can add a lot of confusion yeah, yeah. to these things. Um, but the kind of journalistic one that media tends to go for and that sort of textbook, you know, when you Google it, the first thing that appears definition is in relation to the slow slowing down of GDP over two right. quarters. And um, the CEO of World Bank, Malpass, said, you know, when you look at global GDP now, it's hard to see how we can avoid a recession. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of it, like in the language of the way people are saying this, and 
I'd want us to be careful in using this too. You don't want to be in a situation where by saying something over and over, you actually mm. make it a thing. You get what you wish for. You, you, talk, you talk yourself into it. Yeah. yeah. So I do think they are actually being more careful around right. language potentially than say. On the other hand, though, and this is what I mean by the who's the we when we're talking about this, um, Leo had come out and said, you know, Ireland is not going into recession right. in his personal opinion. What we are looking at is a slowing down. And that is true, again, if you take the example of GDP and looking at like Ireland is still in growth of GDP. But it then starts getting complicated when you kind of go, well, none of this exists in a vacuum. Mm. Yeah, because I I guess, and and we've talked about this before, like, and I know it's kind of um, semantics or, or, you know, saying... Is, are we in a period of um, GDP contraction or our um, economic contraction? And I, I I don't know anymore because even the data points on it, like you know, the rich the rich people are doing quite well, and there's there's a you know, squeeze middle, and then I I don't know, and like, but everything's going on in terms of, um, you know, prices, energy prices, just inflation, just going on. It's really hard, even like I don't care what an economist says. I'm sure most people say, "Look, I don't really care what an economist says." If things are going up, and I can't, I've less disposable income in my wallet, and, I, and I've been, I've kind of dipped into my COVID savings, the nest I'd built up because, because you, you know, then I don't care what anyone says because there is a big difference between like sentiment, consumer sentiment, and reality, and and what you know. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in in a case of Leo, yeah, I mean. I don't know, I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but again, he might be trying to talk things up because I know that's just what we want to do in certain instances. So, um, but thinking about that, uh, you know, the, what what the economists say and, and and the sentiment, difference between sentiment and that, and it doesn't matter what you say, what ESRI is, two, two quarters of, I don't even, I heard a great term, negative growth, which I, I couldn't get my head around. Does, does, <laughs> ne- does negative growth mean loss like it's gone back uh, it's it's a kind of nuance but negative growth is what we talk about so um when you think about on a consumer level you know energy prices um and you even think about business levels like the cost of goods the cost of actually raw materials and supply chain issues all these things are going on and it doesn't matter what economists say but like how important is sentiment really in terms of like you know is sentiment really important? You talked about it there in terms of how much sway does the sentiment have or, or, you know, or is it that people will believe what they're told? Yeah, so I think that, like, this kind of comes down to a, a root historical argument between two factions of, in economics of those that are very much focused on the macro and those that are focused on the micro and behavioural stuff. And I'll caveat by saying I'm very much in on team number two. Right. Um, possibly because I know more about that and that does create a bias. But I think the, the issues that we're seeing at the moment is that when you look at some kind of textbook definition of the of a recession and the different like macro factors that affect that, like mm-hmm. like you know, in real time, like you know, Ukraine mm-hmm. and the fallout from all of that, particularly within the EU of like the impact of not having sunflower oil mm. because of that in Africa. Yeah, those less apparent and obvious know, things that just the knock-on yeah, effect. Yeah, the, the knock-on effect of that. Even with that collectively versus people's actual um, experience then on the ground. Yeah. And a lot of the time with macroeconomics, the, the big problem that people have with macro versus sort of behavioral economics is 
people tend to be looked at as a line on a spreadsheet. Mm. Um, usually like a financial line yeah, on the spreadsheet yeah. in terms of, okay, well, you have these savings uh, and that's an argument that people would make at the moment in regards to the last two years. You know, 48% of us, according to Cantor, had been saving. We're not doing it anymore, but we had been saving uh, and therefore there's money in the economy and therefore we can, and there's high employment mm. so we can keep kind of chugging along. But it doesn't take into account how people are thinking and feeling. Mm. And actually, like, I think what Leo was doing uh, in terms of trying to talk about, you know, a a slowdown versus a recession. In his mind, like, first of all, there's a lot of very sound reasons for saying that. Like, we're, you know, we're not as affected by the war in Ukraine than, say, other countries within the EU. Um, We've, but there's also, he'd be very aware of our history in Ireland of that word and how possibly triggery it is for people. And we are in a very different situation than we were before. That being said, like we've different, you know, um, our workforce is different. Our employment rate is different. Yes, there is a massive housing crisis, but we're not in the same. Mm. It's different problems. It's a supply demand problem as Mm. opposed to a, you know, people overstretched with credit and loans problem. And, you know, we have regulation now. So, is a different kettle of fish than before. That being said, neither of those account for the fact that people have, you know, people remember things. Yeah. Um, we scar they, tissue on, on We have things, yeah. scar tissue from, you know, um, 2008 to, what was it, 2012, 2014, yeah. really, till people felt like they were getting out of it. And we also have the trauma, for want of a better word, of the last two years as well. So, mm. When you take all that and you talk to people about GDP and things, the regular Joe Soap on the road, like yourself and myself, when we look at how much we're now spending on fuel, how much we're spending on Mm. energy, when we look at our confidence in knowing what the world was and what we had as established beliefs of, you know, say property, for example, oh, this is always a good investment or, you know, certain jobs being jobs for life and all that, all of that has been eroded from us. So how people think and feel is going to affect how they behave. And that affects obviously how they spend if they take risks. And there's a Mm. really weird thing I find when people discuss economics of people and businesses and this kind kind of forget that people that run businesses and they Mm. make those decisions. So if people are feeling like everything's kind of a high risk scenario and maybe they'll, you know, become more Germanic almost in our views and Mm. in saving our money and not taking out credit and all of that, then that's obviously how they're going to feel as well about running their business. So Yeah, true. They are, people are, we think about small businesses being a, a certain type of person, but there's normal people that go home and you know do everything that everyone else does in that sense. So, so and sentiment, yeah, and I agree. And, and I, I get, I guess that, um, like if 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 people have no confidence um, or, or don't feel secure and they feel quite fragile in terms of, of un, un, uncertain, it doesn't really matter how much they have saved. So that's a like sentiment is really really important. And what's driving sentiment? Is, is there anything driving that? sentiment of people apart from you know inflation and energy the energy crisis is one thing that everyone you know it's, it's quite um apparent to everybody we can all see it and feel it but are, are there other things like even in terms of the job market are there other are there other things going on 
in our economy that has really driving that negative sentiment? Um, yeah. So again, like we don't know if there's a recession in the defined, you know, textbook terms of a recession around the corner um, or indeed to a similar experience of what we had um, a decade ago. Mm. But in terms of that sentiment, I th- I personally would feel that a lot of it has been driven by still that uncertainty post-trauma that we have on the market. Right. When you talk to anybody about like their ways of working, for example, you know, trying to see, I think we had a lot of this like during lockdown where people couldn't plan ahead. They couldn't plan, mm. you know, what they were doing in two weeks time, mm-hmm. never mind in two years time. And I think people are feeling very much about that now in terms of like, what does a modern workplace look like? Is my job going to be here in a few years, you know, because of other factors and things yeah. as well? I think the last two years has thrown question marks um, for people. And we saw that before with the whole idea of the, you know, great resignation, which yeah, was yeah. more of a great rethink for yeah, people yeah. around their lives. Um, but while what we're seeing now is people are saying they're less likely to be moving around looking for jobs. We know that the job market has slowed down Thank as well. Thank God. Thank God. Particularly when you look at the sort of the worrying stuff that's happening in tech, uh, which actually is a good thing in terms of re, it was an overinflation. In yeah, terms yeah. Of, uh, tech over oh, we felt the last it particularly, two years. We felt it in Ireland because the big boys are headquartered here so it was a lot of people leaving to go to tech. Yeah. And, you know, there, there was a huge spike in growth in that because at the end of the day the world of online and digital was the only one really that was still ticking on outside of exactly. sort of food and retail. Um, and that's kind of having a bit of a rebalance I think now and, and that's fine but I think generally people don't really know what's ahead or they Mm. don't feel like they know what's ahead and they don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in how we're going to navigate that either from a personal perspective, from a national perspective, Mm. etc. And there's other like sort of softer factors I think that come in like when you look at the political state of the world, Mm. how politically polarised people are. Um, The invasion in Ukraine kind of it it's something that you know I think a lot of people felt like would never have happened mm. it's another version of an inconceivable thing yeah yeah suddenly yeah. becoming and I think when things like that happen people look around their their world and kind of go well what else yeah. could happen um and the the problem with the definition of uh like the, the current definitions of you know, um, where GDP is and all that. They are just predictions and markers. Um, yes, Ireland is set to be in about a four point, sorry, five point four percent growth mm. again this year. But that's excluding any other wild card. Yeah, yeah. That happens. So I think for people, it, it's an it's an entirely different world that we live in now mm. versus a few years ago, and they don't necessarily feel like there isn't going to be yeah. another wild card. And 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 it makes sense because when we talk about look, we, we we've we've been in recessions before and I don't, I sometimes hate talking about marketing, but like it is a marketing podcast and at the end of the day, so we're not here to talk about other things other than there's, you know, as important as they are. So we, we do have to kind of come back to marketing. Um but Recessions. We've had loads of recessions before. We know what brands do. There's books. There's there's we're, there's an abundance of content and material on, on how brands and you know and the classic um, brands that invested during recessions before. 
they came out of them stronger. Now is the time to to actually. So we know we know how to do that. But actually, my my, you just mentioned that earlier on. Like this is different. It's not. It's a recession. Unlike it, okay, we're not in a recession yet. But like, who knows? <laughs> this is going to come out next week, right? So we could be in a recession by next week. I don't know. But let's say I agree. I think there. I think we're in for. Um, a contraction of our economy and, and you know mm. and I don't know I don't even I don't even have any degree of, of confidence in how we measure so no one can tell me that we're not in a recession life as well if it doesn't feel like that on a micro level to me so um, I think because this is different right like the two years that we had beforehand all the things that have gone on in the world this does like we never really had a, a global pandemic at this scale the world is so connected so my question is if it's so different and everything, the world is a very different place now. If if that is true, then are the textbooks that we have about how to behave in a recession still are they, do they are they still valuable when when the, when the the kind of the parameters of the recession are completely different? That's a long mm. question. So can we can we go back and dust off? Oh yeah, here's what we do because this Copy feels paste. different. <laughs> yeah, can we? Maybe we can, but I don't know. Do you think we can? Yes, in the sense that it's definitely a good place to start. Um, we had a lot of learnings the last time round where, you know, mistakes have been made. Um, new brands emerged as the winners and others kind of fell behind that didn't like keep up with consumer sentiment and didn't really get their audience anymore. So I think there's a lot there that we could learn. That being said, as we were talking about before, it's very, it's a very different kettle of fish that we're living in right now. Um, we've had a situation when it comes to, if we look at marketing in terms of media and creative separately, I think mm-hmm. is, is a good way to kind of look at this. When we look at media, it's it's very different now because we're in high inflation within media as mm-hmm. well. Whereas previously, maybe we were getting actually very good, yeah, we're getting better value yeah. for spend. Um, it's actually been, it's it's inflated. We've had a situation over the last two years where everyone's kind of run to digital channels if they weren't there before and we're all competing in a market that is just kind of exasperating Mm. bidding and it's become very expensive basically to acquire versus the last time around on this. Um, So that's, that's a big factor when it comes to media. There's also, when you look at the consumer from the point of view of, so we could reasonably say that people are going to be switching again. We know that from lots of different um, resources currently out there about people feeling switch sensitive. We know that people are, you know, on record switching levels with mortgages and things. But the difference between now versus um, a decade ago is how digitally savvy people are. Yeah, yeah. So we're able to research a lot better. We don't trust just because... random influencer says something online. Or because the big TV campaign on, we don't just believe that. Yeah, we're we're in that sort of late capitalist mm. stage. Um, and so the, the sentiment around messaging has changed, the sensitivity around certain words and like say cheap versus value. Mm. Like people have become a lot smarter um, with how they, they do things, particularly online. So that's going to affect us from a media point of view. Mm. And then... I think from a creative point of view, um, I think it comes down to the sense that brands don't necessarily understand their audience anymore. We can't go, oh, well, people felt like this 10 years ago because they're Mm. different people from the ones that you were dealing with 10 years ago. They've gone through that kind of 
trauma. And I actually think it's really it's a really exciting time for brands that do jump on the opportunity to actually get to know their audience again or even ask the question, is it a different audience that they should be looking at? Mm. Um, and possibly stepping away from the idea of these kind of base level demographics that we still all kind of um, live in and, and look at more the kind of mindset of people mm. and these kind of psychological tribes <laughs> that yeah, have been yeah, emerging yeah. over the last few years. So I think it's about opening um, opening the doors on doing fresh research again. Right. And not necessarily just about, you know, these kind of like quarterly uh, sentiment things that we've talked about, all of these kind of quantifiable stuff, but actually mm -hmm. getting out and talking to people in that sort of qualitative research yeah, space and, and not making presumptions about what we know about people anymore. So, so we can learn, We you know, there's probably some big things that are still true, but the execution or how, how, you know, the world in which we live today is quite different. So, you know, probably it's not just rinse and repeat to a degree. Um, so, I mean, it's been a weird two and a half years in lots of ways or whatever it is. Can you remember? Remember, like it's just been really weird. Never thought you'd see this in, in never thought to see in my lifetime. What are the thoughts of it? I remember even finishing up on the we were doing a, 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 a dummy run day. Or could we all work from home? And we weren't, mm. we didn't come back into the office. Like it was just, it was, it was quite incredible. And, you know, the, the Leo addressing the nation and all that kind of stuff. It felt like Independence Day, you know, the movie. It was just <laughs> weird. Um, and like it's been, it's it has taken its toll on people psychologically. It has taken its toll on, on business. Um, then you, you get... How quickly COVID has gone away is also quite astonishing in terms of the, the media hype that was around it. And um, I had it a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of like I, I've had I've had worse hangovers. Um, you know, so it was pretty pretty non-eventful. I'm vaccinated, but um, I digress. Then you take the Russian fallout, and again, look what's going on in Russia. It, it's it, it's far to talk about it from the economic fallout. Is is it seems kind of emotionally tone deaf to a degree but again it's marketing we're talking about that so I'm not notwithstanding the fact that what's happened the, the civic and the humanitarian crisis of, of which that is is horrendous but like thinking about what really struck me was um, just how fragile even Ireland, Ireland is in terms of our economy and our people and our exposure the shockwaves of things that can happen and you talked about sunflower oil, sunflower oil. we are so fragile because we're so connected and, and that globalisation of brands, of markets, everything like that. So we're so impacted by what happens. And, and I think before you could say, yeah, there's something going on over there in that part of the world. It's not great. Doesn't know, feel bad for them, but like we were somewhat um, protected. We, we, we'd shock absorbers somehow um, because we weren't as connected. So, um, but when you think about like, because the world, like there's global clients and, and we have a lot of them. And then there's kind of um, newer, smaller local clients and there's big clients and there's small clients. Do you think that small clients have have a bigger advantage to try and kind of navigate through the mess that we're in because of their agility? Or, mm. or, or do big brands have the advantage because they have deeper pockets and they've been there before? Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's, it's a hard one to call. Um, I guess traditionally, from my own experience and probably yours, it can be a lot harder for larger brands to turn the ship um, because it takes a lot of buy-in from a lot more people. Um, there's a lot more d 
different things that if you're going to change something that it's going to affect because you're probably in have a wider selection of media than say a smaller brand that has mm. to be super selective with their budget and their content and spend etc um at the same time yes they do have deeper pockets um and what we do know as well though is that there's that kind of panic that happens from you know previous times where the first thing that people caught or mm. was it the first thing that People call us marketing. It's the first thing, and the last say, thing reinstated. Yeah, and actually I'd say, no, the first thing that people call is market research and right. then marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. To, when you think about it. And I'd hope that what we've learned from the last time is that's actually not the case. Right. That now is the time to actually put a bit of investment into it and that can be to the scale of what your business is. Yeah, yeah. And go from there. Um, and a little bit like the whole calling recession thing, these things will be called when the writing's on the wall and you don't mm. want to be in a situation. Regardless of what happens economically, you know, if there's a big recovery in 2023, great. We'll yeah. all be happy. You'll be happy. I'll be happy. <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. We'll all be happy about that. But either way, the audiences have changed. People have changed. Their mindsets have changed. Their political views have changed. Mm. Their values have changed. Their day-to-day habits and behaviours have changed. How they work has changed. Mm. Uh, what they care about, how they buy things, has completely changed. So the idea of not taking stock, regardless of what's going on in the economy right now, seems a mm. bit of mad, like madness. And so I think both can be smart and both can be agile in the way that they can do things to a certain scale. Um, but they do need to be quite brave. Um, and it can be an interesting time as well and that it is an opportunity for the underdogs. And yeah. we've seen that before and particularly thinking with SMEs and how tough SMEs have it now, yeah, which are yeah. lifeblood of the economy. Um, yes, it's, you know, it can be very challenging because it can't be a copy-paste job of yeah. what we've done before, regardless of what business you're in. Um, but new and creative things emerge and mm. a big belief in the resilience of people um, yep. and it can be very exciting actually um, because things need to break things need to change we know that when we look at things like climate change mm. and things as well it's like we actually can't go back to the way we lived before so we need to look ahead and we need to figure out what people are like now what do, what do they need and what now and how do we best serve them um, and yeah, that, that's no more is that more true than in terms of corporate responsibility when it comes mm. to climate change as well. So I think that's one place at least everyone should be starting at, but getting to know the consumer yeah. ultimately more and maybe not calling them consumers yeah. anymore I, I, I would like, be a good start I like that. to I li- not I being like tone that. deaf. I, li- I like that in the sense that, you know, don't like before you even cut your marketing, don't cut your, your market research. Because when you think about it, like even in the last three years, people have changed. Like we've all, like the world has changed. Our our opinions of the world have changed. You know, we and if you go back, I mean, imagine you've been in a coma for 10 years and then, you know, or imagine like ever, I remember talking to people about Donald Trump when he was running for um, election in the primaries for and he's not going to get he's not going to get it's ridiculous all the showmanship it's doing it to promote his 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 television career and all I don't know I think he's going to get it and then and then he does and we've said oh, Brexit won't happen so the things that have happened in the world change 
how you see the world and your your uh, not and I'm not talking about on a you know my my faith in humanity because um Russia invaded a country and I, and I didn't think that would happen in 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 this type of um a society like yeah your 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 faith in in governments is is dented and 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 your trust is dented so I think it's a great point about about um maybe we think we know consumers. I, I don't think there's enough research done generally because I talked to Vivian Chambers um, from Bricolage a couple of episodes ago um, and he, you know, the stuff they're doing is great and, you know, I don't think there's enough of it done so I think it's, it's mm. a great shout to try and understand consumers. Um, consumers, people, people. <laughs> well, people who consume things. Um, so, uh, now, we, we, we touched on it a minute ago about, you know, how to market your way through uh, a recession. Now, there is a bit of me that says, uh, of course, of course, the marketing people say, whatever you do, don't pull your marketing spend. So, I mean, I do mm. think sometimes we, you know, it's, it's turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So, it, there's a case of scepticism in terms of the marketeer saying, it's, do not, your marketing spend is sacrosanct. In fact, increase your marketing spend at a time. But like, it is weird mm. because the last time you're right, there was deflation in the market. Now, now there's inflation. So, Inflation in a recession in terms of media pricing was just mad. But a question I have, which is in previously, um, how brands were built, advertising had much more uh, impact in terms of um, the effectiveness of it because of all the things you just mentioned earlier on in terms of savvy consumers and, and new routes to market and all. So advertising did much more of the heavy lifting. Now, when you think about how brands are built, they are they are built a lot more, if not um, predominantly, on experiences. So, like, you can say what you want to TV. If, if you say one thing in media, but you behave in your customer service and how you treat people, or even as an employer brand, Glassdoor, you're going to be found out. So, given those things, given the importance of experiences in building brands, do you think do you think marketing is still going to um, protect brands if they protect their marketing investment, or will it will it only do so much now? That's a it's a broad question, but you know what I mean. Um, does the fact that we we build brands and experiences now impact marketing's um, efficacy in 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 a recession? Um, I don't think so, because ultimately it comes down to redefining what marketing is in terms of what the channels are that people are using, like trust, influence, and um, you know, word of mouth. Think we've kind of they've kind of gone to the wayside over the last few years in terms of the new shiny things, and we kind of need to look at how do those things work in digital spaces now. We've seen new brands emerge um, through you know micro influence through um, being able to tap into like globally tap into certain types of people and mindsets. And I think when you take the, the the existing sort of marketing media spend models of, you know, either by country or by, you know, this thing that I hate, the housekeeper with kids. I've never met a housekeeper. <laughs> Apparently yeah. there's loads of them in Ireland. Um, when, when you move away from that idea of mm. how to spend your money and actually look at um, mindsets, attitudes and behaviours, mm -hmm. um, a whole new way of marketing can emerge. Um, so in that sense, yeah, I think budgets will change and move or they, they should, but it, it doesn't mean that they're going away. It's just mm. evolving like everything else is. Um, 
I also think when it comes to market research, particularly when we say market research, we think of the impact of marketing. But really, you know, if you're being truly invested in it as a client, you're open-minded in terms of what does it mean in terms of your customer experience? What does it mm. mean in terms of your products? Um, so it's about an investment that goes a lot further than just marketing in and of yeah, itself. Yeah. Um, it's actually about a whole sort of reset and reboot uh, for a business. Um, and it's, I think also when you look at culture so you know clients have the same issues that agencies and everybody else has in terms of like trying to establish culture within a business it's really important to take stock from that end as well so it, it has multiple benefits mm-hmm. um excluding marketing yeah good point good point um now and another one of the things that's very different uh today for say you know last recession like even what 2008, 2009, it's not that that performance marketing wasn't a big thing then. It's just become far more um, sophisticated. Maybe shall we say um, is the best best way to describe it. So, and I've said this before. Like one of the greatest things that that people who worked in digital did was to coin the phrase performance marketing because the the inference is is that <laughs> the, the other things don't perform, which mm. is look total totally nonsense. Um, but given and it's interesting some of the things you talked about because you've seen this and I've seen this in terms of this kind of this race for um, the, the in markets, if if you will. You know, it, it, when when you go chasing those people, when everybody else is chasing those people and everybody else is is bidding up on an auction for media, it pushes the price up, as you said. And 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 if there's you know, I think the danger, which I can't get my head around, because it it seems counterintuitive to say don't double down on performance marketing right now, right? Because, I mean, I, I mean, I'd say, yeah, do you know what? We'll pull TV, we'll pull we'll pull the brand stuff and we will just keep pumping. You know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to invest more, as much as we can in performance. And that's what Google will tell you to do and that's what Facebook will tell you to do and that's what everyone in, in digital will tell you to do. But you're, you're kind of suggesting in, in the article and what we talked about that that's not right. So... Yeah, I, it's... Just because you can count something, right, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it counts. And it, uh, I think a lot of it's to do with education as well um, and comfort zones. So when I talk about comfort zones, I mean, when we talk about the dreaded funnel, um, like I've come predominantly now from a B2B market the last few years. So everybody loves funnels there, but they're kind of, they're evolved a lot further on than they seem to have been adapted, which I was quite surprised at. But in, in the B2C world. Mm. Um, but they're adapted in a kind of a a way to justify, um, like a, a way of justifying actions as opposed to a way of like kicking the tires and seeing if something's working. In a mm. B2B world with a, a properly established marketing funnel, you're going, okay, so we know that the journey isn't this like singular journey that one person is going on. We know mm-hmm. that there's multiple people making a decision about buying a product. We know that um, there's different things that different people are going to need depending on their roles within a company. Um, and then you, you're using your funnel to kind of identify gaps because you have CRM systems and things set up and you can see reasonably well, um, mm. you know, where there's like drop-off rates in terms of conversion and, and then you 
you're able to go, oh, God, we need more SEO content about this particular thing for IT guys or whatever. It's a very different world in which the B2C works and, you know, calls it by the same thing. Um, and the problem with um, performance marketing, as you're saying, the, the, the definition yeah. of that, like people, <laughs> um, if, if people are concentrating on everyone that's in market, they're forgetting the entire definition of a funnel is that there's, it's bigger at the top yeah, and it's smaller at the bottom. Yeah. And it's it's our, when you look at a B2B model, it's driven by a, a more rational thing of a company needs a solution to a thing. Mm. Whereas in the B2C world, we're 99% of the time defining the problem that mm a customer doesn't even think they have. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing that thing where you're setting up a, you know, here's what we are and why you need it at mm. the front, you're losing an awful, <laughs> yeah. like the majority of your opportunity is being lost. And I think what happens in, you know, trying times when budgets are tight is people double down on the things where they can see an immediate um, attribution, which is a false thing. We've known mm. that it's been proven that you know, it takes a long time to get to some to that point where someone yeah. clicks on an ad. And yes, it's it's super super important that we're you know in the right places when people are looking. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happening beforehand that we also need to be doing as well. Um, and kind of weirdly is well, it could be an advantage if a brand is investing in and I hate I hate the term brand as much as a different yeah, yeah, performance because everything but, yeah. has brand on it too but if they're actually doing that while everybody else is busy biting over the, the scraps at the, the end of the funnel mm. um, it's A it's a long term investment so it means that whatever is ahead um, mm. recessions no recessions or whatever we want to call them you know you've you've invested in your brand and you'll see a long tail repercussions because it's not about last click mm. it has it, it it's about the long term effect of it and b you're probably potentially going to get better values and better deals than mm. being in this sort of bidding war which isn't just you bidding against your known competitors it's everybody else in the world including you know the smes that are trying to get people back in again. So. Yeah. But it, it can feel sometimes like a marketing crack epidemic in the sense that, you know, once you're in and hooked and you've started to um, invest in performance channels, just becomes so alluring that you can't get enough of it. And you literally can't get enough of it because like Google, mm. Google will tell everybody you need to invest, um, you need to invest more money with us and do that. And there is a principle saying do start at the bottom. Like, I mean, intuitively, start at the bottom, get the cheap people in market and then kind of work upwards, which 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 I would buy if someone, you know, it's not right and it's not wrong. I can see an argument for it. Um, but it does become really hard then to, to wean yourself off that 20 degree, even to think about um, decreasing your investment in it because the, the, the paranoia of what is everyone else going to do. But when you talk about prices going up, everyone's chasing a smaller segment and everyone's the prices for that um, audience are going up all the time and by definition you're not you're not going to create any incrementality because you're going to by by definition people who are in market have put their hand up and said I'm interested in this but but like as you say what about the people who who don't know that they're interested in this yet you have to create some demand for things mm -hmm. so um but because it is, you're dealing with the churn yeah as well right so 
um, rationally, if, if everybody's very switch sensitive now, rationally, a lot of people that you get right now, if there continues to be volatility in the market and you are a brand that is affected by those price changes, mm. you know, getting a customer in the bag, A, they're probably more expensive to serve, yeah. but B, they may not be around that long as well because they're in that switching mindset now. Mm. So um, the long, the lifetime value of them may have gone down. Yeah, true. So kind of, I mean, I, I do think it's a good point you made earlier on, which is saying, you know, whether we get into a recession or we don't, it's no harm to start planning for one. Because if you're planning for something that doesn't come, you're still not going to be any worse off. But but you're kind of saying you need to think about it, you need to understand you need to understand your consumers and you kind of need to avoid the you know don't don't take the easy and seemingly obvious answer which is turn what we call brand down and turn performance up because like there's more valuable things so mm. I, I think that makes sense do you think there's going to be like from what you've seen read heard is is it going to be huge um Time of churn in lots of different categories and, and services is is it going to be a churning bonanza for people? And because then, if you think about that and say, well, why wouldn't you invest more in performance if it's going to be everyone's going to be looking and they're savvy and they're going to be you know churning? Why? Yeah, and there's definitely an argument for you know um, the generally switch sensitive people that just constantly move all the time and are in price comparison sites all the time versus lazy people like myself that are like mm. just to have that sort of oh shit moment when they look at a bill and go oh you know I'll, I'll look around and yeah. would do it once and then go grant well I did that once and yeah, I'm done yeah. so yeah there's definitely there's definitely an element of that but that's still you know you're still looking at your strategy of like what what are we doing for how long are we doing it do we do it based on news cycles do we mm. you know how do we find the people that aren't going to disappear in three months time again like yeah. how do we bring in you know interest taste demographics and things to this versus who we know those who we already know to be switchers so yeah for sure um it can definitely be a, a very important reactive part of the mix and being agile i think is probably the most important thing right now uh ultimately but it still doesn't mean that it's, you know, throw more money at the situation and business as usual. It's definitely, regardless of what we're doing, it's it's about a readdressal and a, a sort of reshake of the strategy uh, and what we know about consumers and figuring it out from there. Right. I'm not going to keep you too much longer, but I want to ask you a question because it's kind of related to this. And we talked about this and um, chatted about it off mic. And we've chatted about it like the last couple of days. You have said that one of the one of the things that brands need to do uh, is to kind of or companies is just is to really rethink their their product offering and and as you say get away from the seasonality calendar so mm. what's your problem with christmas ads <laughs> what's wrong with christmas ads right? everyone, lo everyone christmas. loves christmas ads what's your problem with them okay, so it's kind of funny because so christmas ads you remember came from the previous recession. Well, for retailers, um, they did. But Coca-Cola, Kellogg's, you know, these ads have been going around forever and they're lovely Christmas yeah, ads. Well, there's, there's, there are the established guys that everyone goes, oh, I can't wait to see mm. that ad again. And do you remember, it's to see the same ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like, no, they yeah, want to see the van. Yeah. They want to see the kids in the pajamas of yeah. the, the tree or whatever. And you might 
change Santa to a slimmer Santa for, you know, political yeah. reasons or whatever, but it's it's still much of a muchness. What I'm talking about is more the the ads that came around from um a certain retailer originally doing right. <laughs> a very nice sentimental Christmas ad and then everybody was like, oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And then even the guys who do sliced bread <laughs> decide to do Christmas ads. Um, like it it came from a very good place. It came from, so I remember seeing briefs and things on from retailers particularly um, where the issue was that, you know, if you're advertising about Christmas, you're making people feel pressurized to spend money when they don't have any. That's right. where a lot of this was coming from before. And how do you advertise something that's become so commercialized in a world of cynicism? Um, which I'd argue is what we're in now again. Yeah. But we haven't rethought the what was the reason why we're doing Christmas ads again? Uh, outside of getting cans or whatever. That's so lovely because people <laughs> like them. That's why you do them. Well, are I mean, they effective? I, no, I agree with you. I agree are with they effective? you. effective? I don't know. Good ones are effective and bad ones are not effective. But I don't know. I, I get the point because they can all... I mean, they can all kind of start to look and feel the same. A little bit like, the, I, I guess, the first maybe three months after the first lockdown, I blew in the face seeing ads with, with kind of soft piano music and people yeah. in kind of isolation. And then on the team's <laughs> call, and I, just go, God, I can't remember what any of them are all about, but there was a template yeah. style ad. And they, I, so it's the fact that... Um, but what... So explain that to me again. How were Christmas ads born from the last recession? I missed... I don't... I didn't get that. So retailers particularly had a challenge of, and it worked with two of them in Ireland on this specifically at the time, that advertising around Christmas when people were really feeling oh, the, right, pinch, the pinch when Christmas yeah, was yeah. getting families into debt mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the focus on consumerism within it was... Oh, it, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. hitting people too well. So it was about how are we going to make Christmas meaningful like how, how do we bring brands to make, making oh, Christmas so it was done in a kind of a, it, meaningful it, it was a stealthy a stealthful way of, of kind of um, you know advertising but not be, not looking like you're trying to pressurize people make people of feel course, good yeah, yeah of course okay. like nobody nobody you know you know, nobody in marketing turns around and goes, let's just make an ad that makes people feel good. Like, I don't really want to sell anything today, mm. guys. Let's put a quarter of our annual budget into mm. just making people feel happy. It's it's not what <laughs> it's not what any of us are in the game for. It's, it, it's you know, it's about driving sales. But it's you can't about, not have a Christmas ad if you're a retailer. What are you going to do? You'd be fired if you're... Pick if another you, time of the year. Like, actually, well, look at, look at like, spend, who though. your audience is and go... What matters to them? Like, I can't believe, for example, Halloween here. Like, we are in the country of the origin of Halloween. And it's still not, when it comes to brands, a, a big moment to, to capitalise on. I mean, like... Was that just because um, the spend's not there from the, from a from a consumer point of view that you, you go where the, the dollars are? So, well, you I have mean, your, Christmas, like, you if we want to go back to that sort of traditional housekeeper with kids, like, do you, when you look at the calendar, you've got your midterm break. Yeah. Um, you have your your various different, like, house parties. I mean, there was a few attempts, I think, at trying festivals and right, yeah, bringing yeah. that sort of traditional thing back that actually brands could be heavily involved in doing. Um, so, 
it's it it's definitely an important time of year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a time of year when people tend to have a bit more money in their pockets as post, you know, back to school. And even if and they that. don't, but they just go into debt, as you say. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we'll, but, I don't know. We, I, I don't know. I, don't, I think you're just a Grinch and you don't like Christmas ads. And, and, and I don't know. I, I just think they're, they're like, unless you're going to be John Lewis, copying John Lewis at this stage, is, a decade on, yeah. it's like, just get over it. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. Um, before you go, just is there any? Um, well, we don't like to kind of call out brands or or companies necessarily. Well, not in a bad way. But is there any 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 companies that you've seen that have, that have kind of done well, or you think that they nailed it in terms of how they how they behaved either during the, the at the going into the pandemic or even from the last recession going, you know, there was a yeah, these guys did a good job. Anyone I'm, I'm now I'm putting you on the spot there to a degree to try and come up with an example. But I like mm. examples. So if there's anybody that comes to mind, um you can name them or not. But what can we learn from them just to wrap up? Well I think a very good example quite recently would be Airbnb. Right. Um who obviously were massively affected by the last two years. Mm. Um and coming out of that are in a positive where you have like people doing long-term stays and, you know, remote yeah. working and all of that. But for the time that was in it, they were obviously massively affected. They still weren't in profit um, and had all the budget... It doesn't matter for tech companies. The more to... you lose, the more you work. <laughs> no, yeah. I, think, I think there's been a little bit of a rethink on that one for the last two weeks. But yeah, um, all of the budget essentially is going into performance mm. and they turned around halved their budgets, which I know as marketers, you know, the cold sweat yeah. was happening, but focused in on brand. And Eddie, when on I say, TV, I might add. I've on seen TV, them on TV, yeah. Um, but I think what they've done, l- looking at, you know, where it's active and everything, they've actually done ads around hosts. Mm. So it's around trying to get more people interested in hosting as an as a Airbnb, which is very clever when you think about, okay, so if it's a hotel and has a bunch of rooms, yeah. that's your set amount of rooms. Exactly, but Airbnb yeah. doesn't have to adhere to that. They can grow their so they're effectively, they're, they're effectively building hotels, right. building their capital without any, because yeah, they don't yeah. own any capital. And the more the more you have, the more options you have for people, yeah. um, the, there's more availability for you know, fulfilling that remote work thing and everything else as well. Um, but they didn't do this like performancey thing of, okay, let's find audiences that have second homes and mm-hmm. directly advertise to them and to it's it's actually it's a wider brand campaign to mm-hmm. certain markets that it's gonna be that they need it in and everyone can see it. And it's a reminder of why choose Airbnb yeah. over a hotel um, rather than playing that game of the in-market funnel of you're yeah, looking for a place in Spain in May and just because you can change the I'll language on the, the data ad, points it's all very clever. That person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which absolutely ha- is very important and has a time and place. But um, So they've done that and they're now in profit. Mm. Um Coming out of that, um, it's a nice campaign. It's a nice ad as well. I've seen now, it. Yeah. I think. So it's a nice first time ever, um, nice and they say they're 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 never going back. So another one, I think that's um, an example on the the what not to do. And in fairness, held their hands up and said, "We ain't doing that again." Would be the Adidas 
thing where they decided, you know what, we're switching off. We're, we're never doing kind of the classic mass marketing ever again. Yeah, yeah, only to have to switch it back on. The, the problem with this whole switch it on and off, again, I think is a mindset now of like the digital world that we live in for for brands that, you know, if you turn off the tap, mm. that you can turn it back on the next day and you're yeah, going to yeah. get all your results the next day. And as we know, these things take time. You build up your credits over time. Yeah. I think what, what are the very good examples Um for us at the moment would be the whole banks switching scenario. Mm-hmm. Like we know everyone's going to be very active trying to get these new customers, but we also know on the back of it that it's not just about what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's what those banks and businesses have been doing for the last decade. And mm. um, that's going to add up to a decision like this. Yeah. It's not a singular product. It's about that whole long term. Exactly. And, and people who... Um, who said I, I I'm actively choosing KBC or Ulster Bank or whatever? Why did they Why did they pick them and not you? And then yeah, you know, yeah. They might and again, be that's coming back again. to yeah you know, the consumer research of it's like it's not the guys you have yeah because they're fine. It's actually the ones that you don't mm. and, you know. And the other thing with brand as well is the idea of retention, um, mm. which. And you never really hear in, uh, you know, briefs around, I, th- I think on client side, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, it costs a hell of a lot less to retain a customer yeah, yeah. than getting a new one. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really come through from a uh, a paid spend no. point of view. I think there's kind of this mentality of, well, you know, we have their email or we have their address so we can yeah. throw some, you know, DMs, email, slide grand, into their yeah. DMs or whatever. But Actually, you know, looking at brand and media spend from the point of view of retention is probably quite smart as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Totally we'll, went off we'll, tangents. We'll disagree on Christmas ads, but I agree. <laughs> I, I love the Airbnb because I, I do love this thing because I, I say a load of people in digital marketing are just hating when they see Airbnb or like Uber on TV because it, 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 it shatters their world, the, the world of, because my point's always simple. DTC brands are amazing and you can build a brand and a direct consumer brand and, mm. if you want but and you can performance your way around every market but when you want to be a brand and not just a DTC brand you kind of need to you can't you can't performance your way out of a brand issue problem like so mm. you see Facebook doing ads in, in the Irish Times and campaigns on TV and stuff mm. like that because um you can't performance your way out of that. So, and I think it's just—I always love when I when I see and you see it like um, the the craft gin club, and you see all these data brands, and even the mattress companies where they go, we we've tapped out on how many people are in market for mattress, right? Mm. We've got to go and say we've got to create some demand. So I was like, was right? We've gone way over, and I like I better let you go back to work because um, there's two of us on the payroll on this podcast, so it's actually twice <laughs> the price of us running it. So um, I better speaking of inflation, yeah, I, be, I better. Yeah, it's been it's this has been now officially the most expensive episode we've ever done. So um, so yeah, I hope I'm, it's any good. Yeah, oh, no, it was great. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I will have you back on again. Um, because yeah, we I mean we worked we worked together anyway, so like we know each other quite well. But it's interesting that we we talk about a lot of these things. And maybe this is just we we won't record it next time because everyone's going to go. I'm not listening to those who waffling on about whatever they're talking about. Because um, you know, but like I enjoyed it. So thanks a million for taking the time, and thanks for thanks for I coming had on. my fun. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> thanks for coming on, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll let you get back to work now. So fair enough. So thanks thanks for joining me. Right, um, Cheers. if you like this episode. 
why not listen back to, I don't know how many we have now, 70-odd of our other back catalogue of amazing Evergreen episodes. You'll find them by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. So um, until next time, I say get into the office, meet your colleagues, go have a beer with your colleagues and get back and connect with people. Um, and stay safe. Thanks for listening. Bye. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.